The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie Clawson. It is good to be back. Yeah, it's good to see you. It's it's been a little while. Like I thought this may never happen again. The, I yeah, we'll get to my lost luggage. And if people follow me on Twitter and Facebook, they've already heard about the saga, a bit of my lost luggage. But the fact that it had all my podcast equipment in it, what there was a time during the trip where things were kind of at their lowest, where I was like, is this like a sign? from some higher power that I should not be wasting my life doing these ridiculous fucking imaginary radio shows. Like I did honestly have a moment of like, is this the universe talking to you? And are you just blatantly ignoring this sign that is very clear from the universe? Yeah. Is it a sign for you or was it a sign to Michael Chamberlain that he in fact should be the co-host of a, of a football podcast that isn't Junk Time AFL pod? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, at the moment, kind of see him as one of those guys that, like, he plays rugby league, but, like, for the mm. Olympics or whatever, he's just gone over and played a little rugby union. Like, he's an all-rounder. Yeah, exactly. You know, the two are similar enough that the skills he has in one are easily transferable to the other. But eventually, you've got to make a choice. I mean, you can't... Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. Maybe we could have some sort of pod swap situation and maybe rosie and i'll do a podcast or two together you know just feel that yeah, out why not you know we could have the seven well, pod switch the, well you know you obviously started fofop in my absence and uh-huh. you have a lot of guest charlies and so there was the, the the thought that maybe i could get a guest wolf for tofop but i just uh i just couldn't be bothered i'll be honest with you sure. <laughs> i mean i thought will's holiday will's holiday can be a chance for my holiday as well Oh, mate, like any any chance, because there's no reason to not do an imaginary radio show. Like, it's not like our yeah. own imaginary boss, is, to, but we just do, keep doing it. So, no, it was good. It was good to have a break. Uh, it, was, it was actually very nice. And today, you know what I've gone back to, Charlie? I've gone back to my old Zoom 6, which is battered... The back's fallen off it. Only two of the the microphone not not you know nozzles, whatever they're called, work anymore. <laughs> you know the holes. microphone nozzles. You know the plug holes, where the yeah, no- yeah. the noisy stick plug hole machine locations. Um, yeah, yeah. But, In the sound capturer. Yeah, but I feel like it, what it is is I've gone back to mm. like you know, I, like I didn't, I'm glad I didn't throw it away. And it's just been yeah. sitting there. Like, you know, can't play every week, but, you know, when needed, yeah. can still step up and record a podcast. So. You, know, you know what this is? This is uh, like in um, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Even though you start the film in that brand new snazzy uniform, right. by the end of the film, you have to go to the museum and steal your old World War II uniform. Right. And even though, it's kind of not the, even though it's not the kind of snazzy new one, it's kind of 
It's it's kind of the one that you know you started with, and there's a bit of a kind of nostalgia associated with it. Right, we've made some good podcasts together, you know, and then mm. I had moved on and essentially replaced my old one just because you know Charlie. It was probably you know what it was. I was one of those guys who essentially dumped my wife because she wasn't as hot as she used to be, and then went and got like you know a version of my wife ten years younger and started dating that person, and then you know what. She was in my luggage and she went missing. And now who's taking me back? Yeah. You're the Johnny Depp of podcasting. Mate. Well, come on. No, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> so where did you go on your holiday? I have vague uh, awareness. You're in Spain. Is that right? Yeah. I'll, I'm going to tell you. That I'll tell you all about that. But I, I want to tell you something that literally just happened. So okay. uh, I'm back here in Los Angeles, uh, California. So... Uh, it's good to be able to avail myself of uh, the medicinal marijuana and the guy who delivers the medicinal marijuana around to my house, like because I'm a regular customer of his, he's now started bringing me like random edible things just as like a a bonus or whatever. He'll just chuck in something <laughs> like, you know, some edible thing. Yeah, I really yeah. like, I really like this guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he knows his market. Yeah, mate. He, he and I, like, we have a symbiotic relationship. You know, we understand that what's good for each other is good for each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I noticed he's always really quick to answer my calls. So good customer service. But anyway, he uh, gave us this like s'mores, like you know, um, I don't know what a s'mores really is. It's like biscuit and marshmallow. S'mores and... is like marshmallow and chocolate and biscuit all sort of mashed together, right? right. And it's like, Mike Hal, you're, you're American. If, you, if, you, if your morphine program hasn't taken over your circuit board too quickly, could you please tell us what a s'more is? Yeah, that would be good to know. And I, I guess, they, are they called s'more? Like, I want s'more? I want some more? Yeah, I think, it's, I think the idea is it's the leftover ingredients. Like you take a bit of marshmallow and a bit of chocolate and Graham chocolate and marshmallow. What's Graham chocolate? Uh, Who's no, Graham? Gra Graham. It's like Graham uh, biscuits or something, right? They're American biscuits. Ah. They're like Graham crackers. Yeah, ah. Graham crackers. No, he said he said Graham crackers. Yeah, Look, that doesn't say Graham. That's a Graham. I, I, I agree with you, Charlie, by the way. Let's, <laughs> but I'm going to have to say that in America, because they're fucking, I don't know. Anyway, they say things wrong. They call it Graham. <laughs> when it's clearly, it's Graham. It's Graham. The goodies, the goodies weren't Tim, Bill, and Graham. It was Tim, Bill, and Graham. No, I mean Tim, Bill, and Graham sounds like a good night out. But um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you're eating a small, a, a dope infused small. Well, I only had the tiniest little bit because I don't know how strong it is. And it was the middle. Mm. So I had a meeting this afternoon, but it's Friday afternoon here. And so I'd had a meeting and then that was my last work commitment. And we've traveled, you know, this week internationally and blah, blah, blah. So I was quite tired. And I had about an hour before we were going to do this. So I was going to go down to the grocery store and get some beer for this podcast. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'll just have like a tiny sliver of this thing <laughs> just to see how strong it is. Right. And then I'll go and do my little grocery errands and whatever. So. I'm down at the Gelson's, you know, and so I get this beer and I get a bottle of wine and um, then I see um, Dolph Lundgren, right? Oh, no shit! Yeah. Now, so we're trying to work out whether he lives in my building. There's a real chance that right. Dolph Lundgren lives in my building, right? All right. He's been spotted in the building heaps, but I still can't confirm or deny whether he actually lives in the building. 
So anyway, yeah. I, I don't know what for, for what reason, but I just decided I would like follow him around the supermarket just for a bit while he was like shopping. I don't really know mm. what I was doing, but I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to watch him for a bit, you know. So I'm pretend shopping, but I'm not picking mm. anything up. And then suddenly I realize that I've been doing it for like, I reckon I've done five aisles of just wandering yeah. around behind him, pretending to shop, but just looking at him. And I was like, what just happened? Because it was like time. And then I realized, oh my God, I just had that s'more. And it had just kicked in in the middle of the thing. And I had just been stalking Dolph Lundgren around like this crazy starter who did not know what he was doing. So, so anyway. if you've seen Dolph around, the chances are he's seen you around as well, right? Yeah, but I, I know who he is, but he doesn't know who I am. So I'm not particular to him. I'm just... I'm yeah, just like, but I don't know. I mean, Dolph Lundgren, you know, he's a MIT grad. He's got a degree in chemical engineering. He's also like black belt in karate. Like, I think the guy is, you know, he's a he's a highly attuned individual. He excels in everything he attempts. So I think right. that you know he would take note of his surroundings, particularly yeah. the Australian guy stumbling around the supermarket behind him for two I hours. Mean, yeah, you would have a heightened perception of the day to day life. I suppose you're right. I mean, you can't just block that shit out, you know. Yeah. It's instinctive. You know, uh, have you seen the TED Talk that Dolph Lundgren gave? No, no, I haven't. It's quite interesting. It's what, quite, what's like, the topic he, of uh, it? Uh, the topic is forgiveness, anger and forgiveness. And okay. uh, he grew up in a ha- His father was quite violent. He grew up in a household. His father was the same size as he is now. And when he was eight years old, his father used to beat the shit out of him. And so... That's kind of why he got into competitive martial arts. And, right. um, you know, he was driven to kind of... Because I think he does. He has like a, a, a master's in chemical engineering. Came and studied in Sydney, I believe. Was a doorman um, in Sydney. But he said all this kind of stuff was driven by this kind of anger and, and rage. And then he got to a point where he uh, realized, you know, what had been driving him. And now he meditates. Now he meditates and he's been seeing a counselor. And he's, he's, Dolph is loved up. He's no longer... Ivan Drago, his Ivan Canavahago. <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't quite work. I, I tried to cram something in there, but it didn't quite work. But it was interesting to see, like he, uh, like he's, um, he's, he's a lot more articulate and brighter than his movie roles would make you think he is. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that we'll become friends. Like, I'm really... Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, if he lives in my building, like, I, I'm totally down with the idea of, like... I would love if he was in our posse. Can you just imagine we rock up at some barbecue in Sydney and you're like, oh, yeah, this is my friend Charlie. Yeah, this is my friend Cam. Yeah, this is my friend Scott. And this is my friend Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, me and Dolph yeah. Lundgren are friends. He's got a name. Like Dolph is kind of onomatopoeic, isn't it? It's like Dolph. Dolph. You know, it like sounds, it sounds like someone punching you. Dolph. Dolph. <laughs> yeah, but, Dolph. It, but you'd still enjoy a Dolph punch. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, Dolph. Or- it's just like... I think no, Dolph is more a boot to the head, I think, more than a punch. Dolph. Do you really think to the head? Maybe I reckon Dolph's more like a, a like maybe a kick to the stomach. Dolph. Dolph. Like Yeah, the, you're right. You know, yeah, it's into yeah, yeah. the like it, it's a Dolph it's a Dolph thud. Yeah, exactly. Dolph. Dolph. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, you should you should definitely be, become friends with Dolph Lundgren. That'd be awesome. 
Yeah. He's fucking He-Man. Yeah, but imagine if I did become friends with him and then I'd be like, he could be like, oh, yeah, what are you doing? I'd be like, I have this podcast. And then he'll come back and he'll listen to this episode of the podcast. And then we won't be friends anymore because he'd be really creeped out about how I said I wanted to be friends with him in this episode. Do you know what I mean? And the yeah, fact that, that I'm now talking about the fact that he is listening to this and now this is blowing his mind because he's like, how did he know this was going to happen? There may no worry. Like I, his yep. TED talk was all about forgiveness. He'll forgive you. Oh, yeah. He realized right. that anger only gets him so far that he he was running, man. But it took him so long to realize that he was just running from himself. Uh, yeah, I, I've been. I told you right that uh, the people who live below me have changed and they're a bit more sensitive to noise. And I've, there's been a couple of complaints while I've had people stay here when I wasn't here about people being too noisy up in in my apartment. Right. Wow. And so I've had to be a bit more careful about like, you know, anyway, whatever. So in my head for a little bit, that's been Dolph Lundgren. And I'm uh, like, I'm like, oh, what if it's Dolph who's getting like really pissed off at like us being noisy? I don't want to like get beat up by Dolph Lundgren because Miff Warhurst wore her like, you know, shoes in the house. Like, you know. <laughs> can I, is, is, this may sound like yeah. a dumb question. Dolph isn't short for Adolf, is it? I mean, I think the weird thing is, I think I've looked this up on the internet before, but right. I can't remember. But Mike Hell, uh, you know, our super producer, Mike Hell, uh, who might be able to look it up if he uh, can, you know, wade through the fog that is the day of his <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, if, if we could look up what Dolph Lundgren's like full name is, I would love to know. Like, uh, here we go. His given name is Hans. Hans, Hans Lundgren. Ha- no, Hans that's way Lundgren. too friendly. Not as intimidating as Dolph. Hans doesn't sound like a, a violent blow to the body. Hans. That, yeah, that doesn't Hans. sound like... What would that be? Hans. And so when, you, when you're picking your stage name, it's odd that you would go for Dolph when it's so close to Adolf. Right. Especially when you're a tall blonde, right? Well, maybe that's the sort of thing. He's like, you know, winking close enough to it, like, you know, to get that side of the audience on. But at the same time, sort of, you know, it's not Adolf. And I don't have the yeah. mustache, so, you know. I, well, no, no, it's tricky because I am a Dolph, but not a Dolph. Oh, uh, yeah. And that, that was his bit that he used to do. <laughs> <laughs> Every time somebody said Adolf, he'd go, oh, I am Adolf. <laughs> but not Adolf. Not Adolf. Oh, okay. Not the Adolf. Hang on, no, I'm, I'm Adolf, not Adolf. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Dolph Lundgren story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if it is him who's being pissed off, then I'm going to have to play him that fucking TED talk about forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting. He also, um, uh, it was funny because uh, he starts off the video talking about growing up in Sweden, I believe. And he very like flippantly mentions that, you know, um, uh, his father told him that he should come to America because Sweden was a socialist country. And if you want to make money, um, you know, you got to go to America. And then the comment section underneath the video, how many uh, Trump supporters were like, ah, in your face, Bernie Sanders, Dolph Lundgren came here because Sweden was a socialist country. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, how you, that's how you should base all your voting, uh, your, your voting decisions based on uh, what Dolph Lundgren says. I mean, I, but also I love the fact that like ordinarily he's an immigrant. So they'd be like, nah, fuck off with your fucking stupid sounding name and your... You know, foreign opinions. Yeah. Uh, so Mike Heller's come back with some more info. He took his name, Dolph, a relative's name from his mother's side of the family with the release of the Rocky film in 1985. Oh, okay. Han- well, that's weird, but Hans? No, I don't like it. Han- Han- it's, hard- it's hard to say. Hans Lundgren. 
Hans Lundgren. Hans like Lundgren. It's, whereas yeah. like Dolph Lundgren, it's really easy to say. Yeah, you're right. And he also was smart because, you know, he basically preempted the release of Die Hard in which Hans became the number one name for a European villain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? Like you can, From Dolph to Hans. <laughs> I mean, people can spoil your name really quickly too. That's the thing. Yeah, I often think about there must be guys in Australia who had like a Southern Cross tattoo, say, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and it was probably really cool. Right. And now it's just like, oh, man, it's, it's been reappropriated by a bunch of dicks. It's not their fault. But, you know, they, no. they just loved Australia and wanted a symbolic way of tattooing it on their body. Well, I actually for a while toyed with the yeah. idea, you know, years and years ago about getting uh, Such Is Life tattooed somewhere on my body. Are you serious? Fuck, that was a close call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't get that tattoo anymore, can you? You can't get those words tattooed on your body. I mean, no. I mean, Ben Cousins just, that wasn't that sort of thing, wasn't it? That Like, that's done now. That's yeah. done. No one else can yeah, ever... In one, in one fell swoop, right. just took that away from anyone. Yeah. Anyone who actually has an appreciation of Ned Kelly in the history of the Kelly gang, nah, fuck you. What was it about the Such Is Life thing that appealed to you that made you think that I, you were going to... I just always liked the Ned Kelly story. I was a bit of a, a Ned Kelly buff Why? Up. Okay, um, what got you into Ned Kelly? Why were you into Ned Kelly? Um, I've been to Glen Rowan. We used to uh, drive through Glen Rowan a lot as a kid yeah. and... Back in the day, because Glen Rowan used to be on the road between Sydney and Melbourne. Like it was, you had yeah. to drive through it. And then they built, uh, I think, a, a bypass. It's actually quite sad. The last time I went to Glen Rowan, I don't even, they were on their knees because they used to, a small, small town, and they used to make all their money off being where Ned Kelly had his last stand. And then, um, uh, yeah, I went back there, oh, geez, probably 2001 after the bypass had been built. And they were really, really struggling to maintain the kind of, you know, the Kelly tourist attraction. All the, all the Kelly memorabilia was a bit sort of peeling and falling over. And there's this Ned Kelly, uh, you could do this Ned Kelly, um, Ned Kelly's Last Stand Museum tour, yeah. which was um, like a walking tour where you'd go to the, it's like, I guess it was like a big sort of warehouse area. And they divided the warehouse into different rooms, which was different stages of Ned Kelly's life. And so you'd walk into one room and, It'd just be all these creepy mannequins, like sort of featureless mannequins, but dressed in colonial costume. And then they would project the faces of like actors onto the, onto the faces of the mannequins. And so uh-huh. the mannequins would start talking to you and say like, I'm Ned Kelly. I learned how to fight when I was 13 years old and da, 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 da. And you'd watch that bit. Then you'd, the lights would go out and then you'd be shuffled into another room. And it was like, you know, Ned and the Kelly gang in the bush. And they'd project faces onto these mannequins and it'd be like, I'm Ned Kelly and I'm in the bush. And <laughs> so it went on like that for about 20 minutes. But the best part was um, in the, uh, the showdown at Glen Rowan. Uh, so Ned and, and his gang, when they were fighting, uh, the, the, fighting the police, the Glen Rowan Hotel where they were hiding out, it caught fire. And I think half the gang died in the fire and then, you know, Ned was sort of caught outside. So we're going through all these different rooms with all these horrible, creepy mannequins with these projected faces. And then we get to this room that's just like all charred wood and, you know, burnt beams and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, so this must be the bit where the, the Glen Rowan Hotel's burnt down. And then the manager of the tour comes and says, oh, no, sorry, guys, we had a fire in here. Um, we're just going to move on past this room. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always good when you can't tell what's the tourist attraction and what's just repairs. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh, hang on. Uh, Mike Hal's got some info here on the Ned Kelly tattoo. Yeah. People marked with Ned Kelly uh, tribute tattoos are nearly eight times more likely to have been murdered and nearly three times more likely to have killed themselves, researchers have found. What is the source for that, Mike Hal? <laughs> I mean, that's a great thing, regardless that anyone's even asked that question. Like, what are the stats yeah. on people with, uh, you know, Ned Kelly tattoos? But I guess it's because... yeah. Like, aren't they associated with outlaws and stuff? You know, but if you're I like, guess so. I mean, he's an outlaw who died in a blaze of glory, and you know, mm. he, the motto is "such is life." You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, so I guess like you know, you're probably a thrill seeker. It's probably not someone who's like you know le- leading this a librarian, a vegan librarian, getting the fucking "such is life" tattooed across their, ter- their chest. Oh, that's the other thing too. At the end of the tour. Um, they played this song called Such Is Life, which is like this kind of, you know, uh, grassroots folk band right. singing. Like, like All I can remember is the, the chorus went, Such Is Life, Ned Kelly, Such Is Life. And then they would name something going wrong. It was a bit like Alanis Morissette's ironic. It'd be like, you know, uh, you get locked, your keys locked out of your car, Such Is, is life. life, Ned Kelly, Such, such Is, is Life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I've got weird okay, hair so from this tin for- on my head. Such is life. Such is life. Ned Kelly, <laughs> such, such is, is life. life. So the source for that uh, statistic on Ned Kelly tattoos comes from Adelaide University professor Roger Bay, but B- Biard, BH, Biard, 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 studied the cause of death of 20 South Australian men aged between 20 and 67 years who had tattoos of Ned Kelly or about Ned Kelly. I didn't realize it was that common, the Ned Kelly tattoo, but I guess it would be. Well, I mean, that's. Not a lot, though, is it? It's not a huge sample size. I wouldn't trust a study of 20 people to extrapolate further out to the general population. Seems like what? seems like a waste of fucking time, to be honest, this study, Dr. Well, but I guess, I, I, guess tw- I guess 20 people, if you surveyed the entire country, maybe 20 people is a large portion of people who have Ned Kelly tattoos. Yeah, well, in which case, who gives a shit? <laughs> Do you mean? Like if there's only 20 people in the country this applies to, why are you even wasting your time fucking studying it? That minimum of it has to apply to more than 20 people to study anything, right? In this day yeah, and age, yeah. you cannot get funding or expect people to give a shit about you studying something that applies to 20, 20 or less people. I'm sorry. That's a really harsh thing peop- to say. But- By the way, 20, pe- 20 people in only one state of Australia. Okay. Well, maybe that... Okay. Well, well maybe... All right. Okay, if there's like a thousand. <laughs> More research needs to be done. Sorry, I flipped around yeah, on that one. So, <laughs> uh, so do you want to tell us about your, uh, your your bloody trip, mate? Yeah, I may as well. So um, I went to Spain. We were going to Spain for a, a holiday. Um, we were going to go to a music festival in Barcelona uh, called Primavera Sound. And... Uh, it's like this three-day music festival that, um, because the Spanish, have you been to Spain? No. Uh, so the Spanish genuinely have a siesta. Like, you know, when you've kind of heard about it, but they just like try to get anything done between sort of like two o'clock and like eight o'clock. And it's just a fucking random nightmare. Like, you know, there's just a whole part of the day that they're just in bed or whatever the fuck they're doing. Right, you know, <laughs> so um, 
but the festival that what that meant is it started at like seven o'clock at night or whatever and would go through until like four or five o'clock in the morning oh wow yeah so like the big bands might not come on until like 11 o'clock or like they'd play through till one or two like i went and saw the avalanches at like four o'clock in the morning and stuff and here's what i've discovered about myself self charlie is i am way too old to fucking do any of that shit yeah Oh, that's, I mean, that's the first thing that came to mind is like, oh, really? That seems like a late start. <laughs> Man, like we had a, some great times, no doubt about it. We were really lucky that um, we ended up through a whole series of things, getting backstage passes to see Radiohead. We got to stand with Radiohead's family, like in the race in the middle, in the middle of this wow. like, a concert with like 80,000 people watching them and blah, blah, blah. It was like, there was some fucking amazing thing that happened. And there was like about a third of it that I just spent going, oh, my back hurts. I wish I could sit down. Why is it so late? Why does this smell so bad? Is there somewhere that we can have a nice toilet? Seriously, my back hurts. (laughs) Do you think we'll get a cab? When should we leave so that we can get a cab? I don't want to walk for ages. Oh, now we're walking for ages. It's so late. I mean, I know this was really cool. And like, oh, all the bands were, but oh, God, my back hurts anyway. Were you visibly older than a lot of people or would you be right in the pocket of most people there? Well, the first thing I would say is that um, I, I reckon abroad, like I wouldn't be the oldest. Like, you know, there was kind of a broad cross-section. Like Radiohead were playing in PJ Harvey and LCD Sound System and like, you know, some of them are kind of... Older bands. Yeah, older yeah. bands, you know. So it was a real mixed crowd. Nothing like an Australian festival in that so lax on security and people being mean-spirited and like you know visible yeah. security presence like there was people quite clearly no australian no australian no australian flags worn as capes no australian flags no visible violence that i saw of any kind despite the fact that everyone's walking around completely fucked up like at every moment like right through the night in the dark in this giant place you know like uh-huh. um people visibly doing drugs like you know what i mean like when you walk by people and you're just going oh well i guess that's another way to use a mobile phone you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> so it was definitely a different vibe to like australian music festivals in that regard but it was yeah i mean it was pretty good fun but uh way too old for it way too old yeah i mean i, f- I felt that about music festivals about two years ago and the ones i w- were going to weren't starting at, at 7 p.m but um so if it was three days, were you camping on site or were you traveling? No, so we got a so it was three of us traveling together, and so we got an Airbnb in Barcelona, mm. and we were meeting Amy's friend Jess there, who like lived in Barcelona and speaks fluent Spanish. So she was perfect. So we fly uh, from LA to London, and then we fly fly from London to um, Spain to Barcelona, mm-hmm. right? So, um, uh, do we have a bit of information? What was that? According to the event, organisers in the Billboard magazine interview, the average attendant of the festival is a guy or girl from 30 to 35. So you are slightly older than the, the intended demographic. Right, but not, you know, out, I could play 30. Not, not, I could play not 30 embarrassingly to 35, so. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. not Sam Newman. Sam Newman inappropriate. No, yeah, Exactly. 
And, uh, you know, and it was a great fun vibe, like made so many friends, like, you know, just random people you're stuck next to who, you know, ended up being really great fun and all that sort of stuff. So it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And there were some Aussies there, a big shout out to the Aussies. And the reason I knew that was because every time there was an Aussie there, they would yell at me, oh, fucking wheel, fucking wheel. So I pretty much saw all the Aussies. <laughs> that was lovely. <laughs> But um, so anyway, so we fly, we've got this one leg of the journey. So where we fly from LA to Heathrow, but then we have to sit at Heathrow for like seven hours before our flight Mm. to Barcelona, right? But luckily, I'm like a lounge member. And so I was like, we'll get the girls in. We'll just like hang out in this lounge all day. So we get to the airport. We hang out in this lounge for like seven hours, like waiting, waiting for this like connecting flight that we're getting. We get the connecting flight to Barcelona. And when we get to Barcelona, our luggage isn't there. Like, so they've had seven hours, seven hours to get the luggage from one flight to the other flight, but they've just not managed to do that right. So then I've had to start dealing with customer service like overseas have you ever lost luggage overseas yeah yeah a couple of years ago i lost my luggage in scotland um uh but that was resolved quite easily in about two or three days they tracked it down they got my address they delivered it to the door in about two days right so not not what happened with you (laughs) i've had a couple of times overseas that kind of what you've just said like you know it doesn't come in that day but they deliver it to your hotel the next day and you know it is what it is you know But this was not what was about to, I was about to experience in my life, Charlie, in any way. Because I was dealing, because we flew British Airways, but the connecting flight was actually operated by a uh, Spanish airline called uh, Vueling. Uh, rhymes with failing for a reason. It's meant to be a warning <laughs> sign, Charlie, about the fact that these are the most incompetent, crazy airline uh. I have ever dealt with in my entire fucking life. They did not give a shit that I had lost my bags. Like, I would ring twice a day, every day, and it would be like, when they finally answered the phone, by the way, like, this is how much they didn't give a shit. They had this, like, line that you had to ring, right, to, you know, to check on your bags. It would always take like 15, 20, 30 minutes like on hold just to get through to this line. And then when they actually answered it, they would always be so fucking pissed off that you'd called. Like so pissed off that you were called. They would just like hate you. Every time it'd be like they lost your records, they would tell you something different. One guy said, oh yeah, we delivered it yesterday. I'm like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You definitely (laughs) did not do that. That one, I can definitely say you didn't do that. So... Uh, the first couple and of these, are they, are, are they speaking English, like good English, bad English, no English? Uh, look, a range of that. Like some days right. you get somebody who was more helpful than other people. Like some days you get like somebody who are like, do you actually work here? Or have you like picked up this phone and you're giving me the inside information? Cause like randomly I just get one guy who'd be like, mate you are getting fucked around and it's like not your really? fault. Really? Yeah, like they'd be like... Shit, whistle, it, a whistleblower. Yeah, they'd be, yeah. Like there was a Julian Assange, there was an Edward yeah. Snowden working within the Wailing Call Center organization. And like, because he was the guy that one day when I rang, he goes, oh, you're this, like, uh, you know, um, you're this case file, right? The case file that I had, he goes, you're this. 
and he knew it as soon as I rang. And I'm like, how did you know that? And he goes, oh, it just comes up like on our thing. It's connected to the thing. So you're ringing from the same number. So I, we know immediately what case file number it is. And I said, well, why every other time have I called? Have they? And he said, oh, they just couldn't be bothered looking it up. So they just get you to do it again. And I'm like, and he is telling me oh, stuff like man. that. Like he's like really Shit. giving me, he's like, mate, no, seriously. Yeah. So they lost 3,000 bags. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like he's oh really God, like- this. This is WikiLeaks. This yeah. needs to be bloody out in the public. Yeah. He goes, oh, they don't know where it is. Like somebody had told me they'd found it. He goes, mate, mate, they don't even know if it's at this airport. <laughs> the amazing part about that story is he's calling you mate. <laughs> uh, by the end, right? Because we talked for so long. So three days in, we get two of the bags back. So. The girls' bags. Well, here's the important thing uh, that I didn't tell you is at the start of the, because Amy doesn't like to fly. And also one of the, her major paranoias in the entire world is that her bag will get lost, right? And I travel all the time and my bag has rarely been lost. And on the few occasions it has been, it's been returned almost straight away. So to me, I don't even consider that this is a possibility of something that it will happen, right? Mm. So... When we get to the airport, she's got the biggest suitcase and I am a frequent flyer. So I checked in the biggest suitcase under my name, which was actually her suitcase. And she was like, my bag's going to go missing. My bag's going to go missing. Well, technically her bag did go missing. It just happened to be my bag because I had swapped the bags. So she had picked mm. it at the start of the thing. And I was so glad that I'd swapped them. So like, yeah, so I lost... So theirs got theirs came back two days later, and mine never, never again. Like I've, it's now well, it's now two and a half weeks. I am not optimistic that it will ever be returned. That's um, amazing. Now. What kind of compensation are they talking about? Well, here's here's where it gets good. Uh, yeah. Really, not that much. Uh, here's what you get. Um, you get fifty dollars a day or fifty euro a day. I can't remember. Yes, what it was, that's right. Of yeah. like replacements, but it's a day, like, and they tell you I, they didn't tell me that at the start. Like they just they tell you that like and, and that only lasts for a week. So I was on like an entire like vacation with like two set like I had like one one pair of pants and like two t shirts and but for the first week I didn't want to buy anything else because I just expected at some stage my suitcase would turn up. So yeah. And then I eventually had to go and buy clothes. And I do not have the same taste in clothes as all of Spain, it turns out. Like, or, or, the, same, or the same body in any way. Like, it's crazy. I, I am extra large, like the biggest size you can get in any Spanish thing just to fit me. But then in lengths... They're all like three-quarter pants and they're already wearing things that are kind of three-quarter pants. So essentially, yeah. I've bought jeans that are essentially shorts just below my fucking knee. It's crazy. For, for some reason in my head, I, I had you, uh, uh, the only thing you could find that would fit you was like a bullfighter's outfit. <laughs> so you're walking around just like a bullfighter. I mean, that feels a little culturally inappropriate, you know? <laughs> Especially for a vegetarian. Well, you know, the other thing is that um, you get warned all the time about crime in Spain. Like, you know, like, right. you know, there's a lot of pickpockets and a lot of that sort of like, you know, particularly around the tourist areas and stuff like that. But it yeah. always feels racist uh, 
to be safe. I think. Yeah, yeah I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. You don't want to expect the you don't want to expect the worst of the locals. When I'm at, I was at a couple of bars and pubs and stuff, and I do what I always do, which is just put my wallet on and my like phone on the table in front of me, and people would be like like warn you against doing that and it would just feel really racist <laughs> like you know what i mean like you'd be like no yeah. i'm sure that i can just leave my valuable goods exposed on this table while i consume alcohol and not really pay attention surely every country you can do that can't you so with that just back to the luggage for a second yeah. so oh, no, what, have they given you have they given you a like a like a plan like oh look uh, you know <laughs> you're back in los angeles this is where it'll come or if it doesn't turn up it's been two weeks mr anderson we should talk about you know replacing the luggage blah 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 i mean it'll be covered by travel insurance i imagine yeah oh how how much of it do you think you get how how much do you think you get if you lose your suitcase on your travel insurance why in a percentage of value or something like that just tell me how much yeah tell me how much you reckon you get for like a a suitcase oh like uh, 500 euros if you're lucky, if you're lucky. What are they saying? Maybe 500 bucks. Fucking hell, really? Mate, come on. Like, I mean, that But would... what about the stuff that's in your, what if you had your laptop in your suitcase? Well, I mean, fucking tough titties, apparently. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that insurance was a rot? But it's kind yeah. of a rot. Yeah. I mean, it's all the fucking rot. It's like the $50 a day. You, to get that, you have to collect your receipts and then hand them back to a violating fucking who's ever going to do fucking any of that shit i'm not going to do that when i lost my suitcase in scotland i was trying to drill them for some kind of compensation for my two days of inconvenience and they said well yeah if you keep the receipts of all the clothes you've bought in the last two days i'm already bored we'll have a look at (laughs) do you mean like like you say that's what you like i hadn't bought anything yeah so there is a chance your suitcase may never turn up again yeah, and there's some shit in there that I'm pissed off that would... Like, you know, I mean, it's all just material position, possessions. It's nothing that is irrepl- irreplaceable. Um, but there's some stuff in there that, like, uh, like are my favourite sort of, you know, bits of clothes or things that have, have particular sort of sentimental or whatever, like, value to me that you suddenly go, oh, yeah, right. Like, I, mm. you know... Yeah, I, like your fa- favourite vibrator. I mean, we all have a favourite. I mean... <laughs> My touring vibrator, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> I, obviously the one I have at home. That's yeah for around yeah. the house. But you know, you have another one you take yeah. on the road. One that you can, you know. I mean, sometimes you're going to lose it. Do they not know who you are? That bloody H six on its own is worth about five hundred bucks. How are I, you meant to be the number one podcaster in Australia, half of the number one podcasting team in Australia, <laughs> if you don't have your H six? Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Like, I mean. This could have been the end. Do they know that Michael Chamberlain has bloody taken your job? Do they know how serious this is getting? Mate, the response I got from them online was as if they did not know any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> or if they did know about them, that they, they did not care about those things. I did eventually, because, you know, I'm so hesitant to ever kind of use any whatever that is that I might have for my own personal sort of gain in these situations. So all I did for the first like week was 100% went through the like, you know, the kind of proper channels. But then eventually I was like, oh, oh, fuck it. I'm going to tweet about it in like at least a kind of comic-ish way. But I'm going to tag in British Airways and I'm going to tag in fucking Vueling and see if I can get some like at least, you know, I mean, a little action here, right? 
and I, and yeah. as somebody else pointed out online, I have twice as many Twitter followers as their whole entire fucking airline has. <laughs> so you would have thought that maybe like that you you might have got a little attention about it. So again, I yeah. don't want special treatment, but at this stage. I would actually just like the sort of treatment that a customer should fucking get. I would like my bags. And if this helps, then I'm going to have a go at it, right? So I start... Mate, to- they, if it's good enough for Lindsay Webb, I've seen Lindsay Webb have entire conversations with Virgin Airlines on Twitter. <laughs> and part of me sometimes like, Lindsay, I'm sure this could be done privately. Uh, mate, I, I don't want to ever have the perception that like I am getting special treatment. But I do think that everybody deserves the sort of treatment that they should actually, you know, that they've paid for and they should get. So... I, I thought that I was balancing that okay. And then I get yeah. a little hook on my line. This dude yep. from British Airways has obviously taken a little look, noticed how many Twitter followers I have, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to get on board here. I'm going to try to help out. Or he maybe just is that sort of guy. I don't know. I don't know if it was one or the other. He may have just been really you know, good at his job and does that to everybody. But he reached yeah. out and he said, if you DM me, I'll follow it up and blah, 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 right? So I DM him all the details, but because of the time difference, by the time that I send that message through, there's another fucking person operating the BA Twitter account, and they just essentially tell me to go fuck myself. Really? Yeah, and I was like, I had one guy. I had this guy on my fucking case. I just wanted to be like, what happened to Ben? Where's Ben? What was the BA response? Well, BA basically just handballed it because even though it was a BA-operated flight, it, I, it was a BA flight, it was a whaling-operated flight, so they're just basically yeah. like, well, we got it to Barcelona, it's whaling's yeah. fault. So you know, They washed their hands of it. So yeah. BA, not just for British Airways, for bad attitude. Right. The BA Baracus of airlines. Mate, and I'm a Qantas like, platinum frequent flyer. Like, you know, you get some... You get some like good treatment, I will say. Like, and I live in a very nice world, so I'm not like bitching and moaning too yeah. much. But it, none of it fucking helps when your bag's been lost in Spain. They do not give a shit one bit. They are just like, yeah, we'll deliver it. Even when they we got the message about the two they delivered, they were like, yeah, we'll deliver it between ten and four. I'm like, oh come on, shut up. And it still didn't get there in that window, by the way. But are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Between I don't ten understand and four. How they- so, but I don't understand how the, I mean, look, I don't understand luggage, uh, how the system works, but your bags would have been checked in together, right? At least right. yours and Amy's were checked in together. No, all three. We, we checked in all the luggage We checked in together. together. So yeah. how do they lose one? I mean, I guess the tag just falls off, right? You know, what would be amazing if somehow your suitcase is somehow involved in some like major kind of drug smuggling uh, um, bust, like maybe some dodgy baggage handler has taken yours off the rack and filled it with um, heroin and has, you know, sent it to another country and then they're going to do this big bust. You'll be watching the news one day and it'll be like the largest ever seizure of heroin going into Europe and you'll look and you'll say, that's my fucking suitcase. Give that's me my oh my God. That's guy, That guy's wearing one of my five identical Jack and Jack t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> that's my denim jacket. I, mean, I love that jacket. Wasn't, wasn't that always the plot of like, you know, when they did Family Ties down under... Or the facts of life down under. Uh, yeah. It'll always be that someone swap. had their luggage. Yeah. yeah, suitcase swap. That's what's happened with you. Right. Your suitcase is going on an adventure with the Keaton family. I mean, it's one of those things where there's a new, there's a new website where you have to add extra detail after a while. Because basically, once I left Spain, they were just like, well, now my suitcase, even if it is in Spain, like, I'm not in Spain. So... 
that's not helpful. So now I've given them my Australian address and I'm just hoping that somehow these people who couldn't get it to me in Spain from where it was at their airport in Spain can now suddenly magically pull their act together to get it to fucking Sydney, Australia. So I'm probably never getting that suitcase back or any of those clothes. But um, the, quest- the question is too, how much endurance do you have for this particular issue now? Like, is it one of those things where... You just want to be done with it. I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm not pursuing any kind of compensation. Or do you still have that fuck these guys, someone has to pay attitude? Well, you know what I'm like? I'm I'm probably, I always err on the side of just fucking giving up and just going, ah, fuck, whatever. Like, it won't surprise me if I, A, don't claim my fucking travel insurance, even though I pay it all the time and have never had a cause to use it, and this is exactly what it's for, it will not surprise me if I, A, I don't end up doing that or I miss a fucking deadline or I haven't, like, I just couldn't be bothered getting the person to fill out the foot. Like, I'll just eventually think it's too fucking hard. I'll never claim anything from fucking Vueling, this airline that fucked half my holiday, and I would have cost, by the way, so much fucking money on my Australian fucking sim trying to ring this line that I was like on hold for 20 minutes of fucking time just Ugh. training like it would have cost me thousands probably in the phone calls but I still wanted my shit right I had medication and stuff in that bag that I just wanted to like have so like anyway anyway fucking so I would never like take it out on them and I probably would never follow it up with anything else and now I rang every day while I was in Spain but now that I've left I just feel like yeah now I'm just like, well, if it turns up, it turns up. But otherwise, I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that I'm never going well, to that's see a very, Well, that's a very Buddhist philosophy, Will. You're exercising the concept of no attachment, that uh, this company does not owe you anything. You have no attachment to your luggage. You just la- allow life to unfold as it naturally Oh, no, I, I, be- that's I very be- mature. I- I believe that I'm a rollover, like I'm a pushover. This company probably actually does owe me. It owes me the bare minimum of the contract we entered into that was that my luggage would be delivered to, like, I mean, they failed me. And in many ways, they've cost me like thousands of dollars and fucked up my holiday. And like, you know... like you know i couldn't do my podcast and i don't have my favorite clothes and like we spent fucking wasted so much time sitting around waiting for something to fucking come that never fucking came so you know what like go fuck yourself wailing that's what i would actually say but will i go to the effort of following it up properly probably not no well you know what we should do yeah because we've started this patreon page yeah uh, you can go to a, uh, go patreon.com forward slash tofop if you'd like to support the show but maybe we should create a level that if we get to we hire someone to full-time like a private investigator but uh-huh. full-time get onto whaling vi- vi- whaling yeah. and just harass them like non-stop phone calls waste waste their time as much as they wasted yours we could just create like the whaling level on patreon do, do we want to bring down an entire airline? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just because you lost a suitcase. I think that's worthwhile. I mean, that would be a good way to demonstrate the power of our podcast. I feel like that yeah. would get some real cut through. You know what I mean? Like, what is the next thing in podcasting? Us ruining yeah. an entire country's airline. <laughs> yeah. Corporate sabotage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so. That'll teach you a lesson not to fuck with my bag. No, so yeah, well, I'm, there was this website I had to go on to describe to give more detail if they have lost the tag or whatever. So you yeah. had to describe what was in the bag. And it is quite weird when you have to write like distinguishing things in your bag 
you start to realize what it is that you packed. You know, like if you had to write down what it, what is it yeah. that I packed? Like you, you, my favorite dildo. Well, you travel a bit, right? So if yeah. you had to make a list of what it is you pack in a suitcase, what would you say you pack in an average suitcase? If you're going away for a week, what's in there? A week. All right. So I'd probably be like. Uh, uh, two pairs of boots, a uh, pair of runners, a pair of like sneakers. I'd say two pairs of jeans. Okay, so hang on. Three or f- f- so you've got four pairs of shoes for a start, right? Yep. Or are you yep. wearing one pair on the plane and taking three or do you have five oh, pairs? Oh, that's a good point. No, that's a good point. So probably three pairs of shoes and a pair that I wear. I'd, wear, I'd be wearing uh, my heavy shoes, like leather shoes on the plane. I'd have another pair of leathers uh in the bag and then i'd have sneakers for exercise and then just a pair of casual wear around shoes but, but what about uh all that extra hassle of having to get like take the heavy shoes on and off to like fly and stuff like that that's why i'm wearing them yeah but uh, like oh, you, mean, you know what i mean like oh, no, that's not a big deal they, they slide on it they slip on and off okay so heavy shoes. all right so you'd rather like have the weight advantage and like deal with the yeah. hassle okay all exactly right. okay exactly interesting yeah, like, yeah. okay uh, okay so you got four and pairs that- of shoes what else yeah, I'd say like two pairs of jeans. Uh-huh. Um, I'd say like a black and blue pair. I'd probably have like four t-shirts, um, underpants and socks for every day that I'm going to be away. Uh-huh. Um, and then depending on what climate I'm going into, if it's like if I'm going to Melbourne, for instance, I'd take a couple of jackets, heavy jacket, light jacket, maybe wear the heavy jacket on the plane again for the weight issue. Right. Um, I would take if I'm going for a week. I'd probably take my computer. I'd probably pack that into my luggage. Into your luggage. And if I'm like, you, hang on. Yeah, this is weird. Depends. Like, I thought it was weird when you said it before. What if your computer was in there? But I didn't realize you were a, like a a person who packs their computer in their luggage. I've, sometimes I, 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 I do. I don't know how I feel about that. If it's uh, yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll I'll pack my computer. Not all the time. Why? Like if I'm why would be doing you work do that? Plane, just because it's heavy. But what's the purpose of? Like, don't you always want your computer just where you know where it is? Um, I guess, yeah. It's not all all the time. Sometimes I'd just rather not think about it. I'd just, like to go on. Sometimes I like going onto a plane. If it's a short flight, not having any hand luggage. Just being able to walk on, walk off. Well, look at you, Mr. I don't want fucking hand luggage. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, too, like if I'm going onto it, like if it's a short flight, I can take my iPad uh-huh. and that way I can still do work and, you know, log into things and all that kind of stuff on the plane. Yeah, but even I still, I would never put my computer in my suitcase. How, how many people do you think put their computers in their suitcase? I thought that was a very uncommon thing to do. I'm probably in the minority, I would say. Like Gemma has sort of told me not to do that numerous times. But right. just like I said, depending if I feel like I just want to sit on a plane... Like if it's a long flight international, I would take it with me because I don't want to lose my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? Yeah, fucking fair enough. Actually, cool. after hearing your story, I will probably definitely never pack my anything valuable in my suitcase ever again. Oh, mate, I won't even pack my suitcase in my suitcase. Like, <laughs> I'm only gonna I'm gonna learn how to exist on things that I can just carry by myself. It's been a fucking massive pain in the ass. To can realize. you imagine if like not you know that you imagine if you had like a, a an engagement ring, like you were going to propose to Amy or something like that, and you had like a fucking fifteen thousand dollar engagement ring what would the airline say then like would you have to verify oh i mean charlie i did have (laughs) a $15,000 right remember how how you were transporting to spain yes for our faberge breakfast (laughs) yes 
And that rolled up Picasso in that post pack. Right, yeah. I, I had two Picassos. Picassos. A lot of people don't yeah, know that. Did you go to the, Spain? Well, I mean, yeah. When in Spain. Like, so yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll tell you where we did go. We went to uh, Mallorca. And yeah. uh, Mallorca, most famous to Australians for you know, Christopher Scase. That was a place that Christopher Scase like, fled to because they didn't have extradition laws with Australia at the time. And, you know, was wearing his dodgy wig and, like, living in... And uh, after spending a week in Mallorca, firstly, I can see why he fled there. Secondly, every criminal in the world lives there now. Oh, really? Like... Wow. It's one of those places that is only ex-gangsters. Like, it seems like the entire population is people who... Like made a bunch of illegal money and now live on this place, like in this idyllic lifestyle. Like they all have these like you know million dollar boats and like multi million dollar boats and all these sort of things in this beautiful. It's on the Mediterranean, you know, like these beautiful villas mm. and shit. But they're all fucking ex criminals. We were out at dinner one night with like these dudes who were in the gang with the Cray brothers. You know the the guy. Holy shit! Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we we're just having a dinner with these guys. They're not lovely. <laughs> Well, you'd want him to be, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was fun. But uh, So, how, many, how did you know that they're all crims? Like, did they just have the look of gangsters or that was just the word? Well, you know, like in Darwin, in Australia, that you're yeah. not really meant to ask people what they did before they got to Darwin, what happened beforehand. So, everyone there has that kind of like... But it's one of those places where it's fair to say everything is available easily. You know, like... It's one of those places where you'd, you, there's not a lot of rules. Uh, in the entire time driving across the island, I never saw anyone use an indicator. Uh, I, I believe the speed signs over there must be a minimum. Uh, <laughs> like, just be, we went to a beach one day, one of like the beaches we went to. They, they, all, they all have bars on the beaches, you know, these beautiful, like, stunning, like, beaches on the Mediterranean and stuff. And um, so they've got these, like, bars. Yeah, we're drinking like tequila shots and like, you know, blah, blah, blah and the carry-on that we're doing and then walking up onto these like high rocks and like just jumping off jagged rocks into the ocean like blind drunk without a fence or a rule or a warning sign or a whatever. Like at one stage, the sentence actually came out of my mouth. Somebody said, oh, which is the highest rock we jump off? And I said, oh, it's that one next to that completely naked woman. <laughs> yeah there was a, I don't think there was a lot of rules I think that's very much what happens at sea you know it was a it was a very interesting experience and so getting by on just English is okay in Spain yeah I mean in Barcelona lots of people speak English not everybody but like lots of people speak English I, I, on like on like Mallorca like I found most places people spoke because over there they speak a mixture of oh do you know what i did see was those shitting do you remember the catalan shitting it was the christmas oh, yeah, thing that, yeah yeah and they yeah, have yeah, all yeah. the like celebrities shitting the cat cagna canagna or whatever it's called right can, we didn't work out how to pronounce it yeah uh oh my god like everywhere i wow everywhere are they shitting and if I'd had room in my luggage, if I had luggage, 
I had actually I had a lot of room. <laughs> but if I had a suitcase, there was this like shitting Batman that I'm like I'm in Barcelona, one of the most old, beautiful cities in the world, and all I'm doing is laughing my ass off as this shitting Batman. And I was like, all right, well done. I think someone did uh, suggest on Facebook that maybe a, a new uh, prize we could offer on Patreon is uh, some tofop. Um, shitting Tofop statues. <laughs> oh man, I, that, that sounds like a genius part of, piece of merchandising to me. For, for next Christmas, we could do that. Uh, so we're back. Oh yeah, we're back. I had to have a bathroom break. Um, I... Uh... Uh, Sydney Film Festival is happening at the moment. Oh, yeah, nice. And so I've been getting along to see a few films. Yeah. And uh, I ran headfirst into a certain bloke called Mel Gibson <laughs> the other day coming oh, out of the toilet. You? Yeah. He, uh, he's, um, he's a very uh, uh, muscular fellow. Is I, he? I don't know. He's gotten himself really fit, yeah. Because he, um, he's in this film called Bloodfather. Which I really enjoyed. It's uh, it's this really low budget kind of revenge film uh, in which he plays an ex alcoholic. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a story of redemption for an ex alcoholic. Right. So I can't imagine why he was drawn to the story. But okay, um, an ex alcoholic who decides to kill the rest of the Jews. <laughs> no, decides to rescue his daughter. Um, but he hits. sort of gave this. He, he sort of introduced the film, and then I, uh, while he was talking, I went up to the bathroom, and then when I came out. He was coming to the foyer with uh, coming through the foyer with these guys, but we almost ran directly into each other. And it's like, wow, you are he's a he's an intimidating presence. He's not as big as I thought he'd be. He's probably a bit shorter than I am, but he uh, he has this energy. He has a, a movie star quality, I would uh-huh. say, about him. Um, he also has his beard right now, where he looks like a badger. He's got one of those big bushy beards that's sort of black and white. Speaking of Mad Max, Charlie, I will tell you, um, there's been an update on uh, George Millergate. Miller time. Miller time, yeah. When will Miller time be? Can I get George Miller on the podcast to talk about Mad Max? Well, uh, there's been some good news and some bad news. That's what I would say about this week. So uh, we've previously spoken on the podcast about the fact that uh, a friend of ours who has George Miller's phone number had sent me george miller's phone number but to me despite the fact that i was grateful that my friend had sent the number to me it was still a bit frustrating because i couldn't use the number i can't just yeah you know mess. you can't just call you're not going to cold call dr george no i'm not going to do that out of respect if nothing else and also i don't know what his hours are you know is he an early in the morning guy creatively or is he late at night like i wouldn't even know when to call like, even middle of the day, he might be having a nap. He's an older guy these days. Maybe he has, like, a siesta or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't even know yeah. when it was appropriate to reach out. And if I was going to reach out, what would I say? You know, would I text him? Would I call him? What would I do? Anyway, so... I'll, I'll... Um, just say, love Fury Road, LOL. Hit me back. Here's my Snapchat. Willsy. Willsy. But then I have to learn <laughs> what a Snapchat is. <laughs> how to do that like you know i mean it's a whole thing it's a whole you know so anyway i've had the number sitting in my phone for a while and i've done nothing with it other than yeah. be happy about the fact that in my phone i have dr george miller's phone number then uh so we talk about this on the podcast 
then the friend who sent me the phone number in the first place clearly reaches out to Dr. George and like explains a little bit more of like the situation. You know, mm. are you aware of like, you know, you know, Will and who he is? So doc, this friend then sends me this message from Dr. George where Dr. George... Mm. I, I, I went to find it, but I must have erased it, which I'm really pissed off about. So, oh, you know what happened? How's this? What? I also lost all my photos and shit off my phone. So, like, not oh. only did I lose my luggage, but my phone did that thing when it was, like, uh, like upgrading, where it just lost everything. So, I lost all the photos from the trip. I lost, like, footage of Radiohead and shit like that. Like, all this sort of stuff that I had. Lost it all. But also, I lost my message from fucking Dr. George Miller where he said that not only was he aware of me, but like that he kind of, I mean, anyway, he said something nice that I can't remember the specifics of, but, uh, and that he was kind of sick of talking about Mad Max, but that he would like to tell me that in person and that maybe that we could have like a, a chat. All right. So, all right. That's where it's at so far. That's a, like a Dr. George update. Well, we don't have to talk about Mad Max. We can we talk, about, talk about Furiosa, Morton Joe, I mean, we Max, could, the War Boy. <laughs> I guess maybe he was only like sick of talking about the new one too. Like we could talk about the old ones or whatever. Yeah, I'd be happy just to chat to him about filmmaking in general. Mate. I, yeah, I think, he's, I think he's an interesting dude. I'll talk to him about fucking Happy Feet too. I don't give a shit. Come <laughs> over, Dr. George. Can you imagine? But was, was that like a chat? Was he like just a, a, was that like a recorded chat or was that just like a chat? Hey, let's have a coffee chat. Mate, if we have a coffee, I can get him to do the podcast. That yeah. that's what I feel like. If I if I if I can get him to coffee, I can close. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I got to yeah. get And 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 then first step is Dr. George, next step is Adolf. I mean Dolph. Dolph Adolf. Is Adolf. Adolf. <laughs> and then we round it up with Mel Gibson at the very end. I mean, sure. I mean do you think... It's a short step from Adolf to Mel anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mel. Oh, Mel, I mean, how do you... Here's the thing I'd say, right? Here's tell the me, thing tell I'd say me, about Tell Mel. me what you think. This film, even though it's a low-budget film and yeah. it's, you know, it's a, it's, this, it's, a, it's a crime thriller, hardboard, I really enjoyed it. The one thing that you can't deny about Mel Gibson is he's a movie star. Like when Mel decides to turn on all facets of the Mel Gibson star factory, he's amazing to watch. Like this film, I kind of felt like he must, this mustn't have been a high budget film. I think he took it because it's a pretty good script and also his character is awesome. Mm. But it sort of felt like it was Mel just deciding to remind the world that, yeah, he's had some troubles and, you know, he doesn't act that much anymore. But when he wants to, he's still a movie star because that's what the entire film is. It's like Mel Gibson just being... It's Riggs, it's Mad Max, it's Braveheart, it's it's just Mel being a fucking movie star for two hours, and it is awesome. Like I loved it. I came out of it going, "Holy shit!" That was like just a throwback. It was kind of like Radiohead going back and playing, you know, Creep or doing their first album. It was like Mel coming out and saying, "You're going to get the greatest hits of Mel Gibson in this two hours." It was fucking awesome. By the way, uh, in Barcelona, Radiohead played Creep, and it wasn't yeah. on, it wasn't on their set list. Because we got the set oh, really? list after the gig, and um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't on the set list. They came out and just did it at the end. It was very fun. Um, I I guess you know the thing that I just don't feel like we've seen from Mel Gibson is contrition. Now I know there has mm. been some, but it just doesn't quite feel like. Do you know what I mean like we've forgiven 
people who've done worse than what Mel Gibson has done. Like, he's paid his time, and if you felt like he he didn't believe that anymore, I think everyone would be ready to forgive him. But I just feel like there's this, still this, like, slight kind of hesitation from everyone that he still believes all the same shit that he said. That Like, don't you think? Do you think that's unfair? Um, Am I being uh, unfair? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm just trying to think... I mean, yeah, I guess he hasn't sat down with like Oprah or anyone or done like a, you know, Diane Sawyer and done some kind of apology special. I don't know. I, I think a lot of his, the apologies have come from like I've heard Jodie Foster because she's been out promoting a film uh, and she's been coming out in defense of Mel a lot. Like she's been defending him a lot. And she took him to the Golden Globes. Remember that a couple of years ago? And she sort of had to defend a decision to take Mel as her date. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't know. I, I look. I, I I'm not saying that because he's a movie star we should forgive him. I was just saying that it was interesting to see. Like he has been so tainted by all the stuff that's happened outside his career right. that I forgot for a second that he's a fucking movie star. And then to see him just come out and just be charming and funny and just like this fucking action hero again, you're like, oh, that's right. That's that's the reason everyone fell in love with Mel because I think Mel. You know, in the same way that James Heard suddenly has a different legacy. When you, th- when you say the name James Heard these days, it's easy to forget that he was this fucking amazing, prodigious footballer. Right. And so Mel Gib- you say Mel Gibson now and people think that racist bigot, and anti-Semite. But then you see this film, you're like, oh, fuck, that's right. Is that uh, racist bigot, anti-Semite who's also a movie star? <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of our movie stars have at least one thing about them that is completely fucked up because most people have at least one thing about them that is completely fucked up. And when you're a rich, famous movie star, you get to indulge that fucked upness, like to the extreme. Mm. He's was drinking and racism. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think he doesn't, I had uh, some mates who worked on that film. He was shooting out in Australia at the start of the year and he doesn't drink anymore. Apparently. Uh, Still a little social racism though, just uh, on the weekends. No, everyone, everyone, who, everyone I know who worked with him, because that's the first question you ask. He's like, oh, you know, did he blow up? And everyone says he's charming and nice and, and was in, like fun to work with. But fucking who knows? Who knows, mate? Who knows what what if you were, what, what if darkness you, lurks beneath the surface? If you worked around Mel Gibson on a film, would you eventually try to suss out how cool he was with the Jews and stuff? Like, would you? Like, eventually, don't you think if you, like, day-to-day, you'd start to be going, like, so, Woody Allen, would you work with uh, Woody Allen? Like, you know, would don't you think you'd start to, like, push it a little bit? Would you like some jubes? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, watched Seinfeld last night. Yeah. What a great sitcom. Yeah, I really like Seinfeld. <laughs> bless you. Uh, Did you say bless you? No, best bless you. I think he would be so hyper-aware of how he's perceived that you would not sneak one of those things. You would not sneak one of those things past him, right? Do it's kind of th- like it's kind of like the guy who played Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. How many times would people have brought up like masturbation, public masturbation to him? Like there could not be a lot of conversations where at least at some point that was like, eh. You know what the thing is though that like gives me some sort of, I think there is actually something about it that probably is very nice, which is he came back. You know what I mean? Like he got busted masturbating in public and eventually we were all like, ah, well, all right, you've paid your time. You know what? Like, and then just got to be on TV again. Like Fred Willard, do you remember when Fred Willard got busted? Like, like Fred Willard barely missed a beat. 
Yeah, mean, it became an adorable. It became right. an adorable story about an old man who didn't know there was porn on the internet. Right. You're just like, ah, oh, God, I love. Ah, oh, that's Willis. cute. <laughs> yeah. But the, I'm actually surprised. Like, I mean, if you're going to see porn in a cinema, right? Like, isn't like. Isn't jacking off part of the deal? Like, why are people surprised I that mean, someone was caught masturbating in a porn theatre? I mean, come on. Like, like if, come on. I mean, literally, come, come on. <laughs> like, come on the chairs, yeah. come on the floor, yeah. come on your popcorn. Right. Like, there's come everywhere. I mean, buyer beware, you would have thought. Wanker beware. <laughs> you know what I just realised? is Gemma's in the next room and she can't hear the <laughs> other side of this conversation. So she just heard me saying, come on the floor. Come on, my popcorn. Come on, chairs. I mean, if she could hear the other end of it, I don't know if it would help that much, to be honest. <laughs> uh, probably have to wrap this yeah, up because i uh, I got to get out of here. No, um, good idea. Do you have anything to promote, gigs or anything? Uh, you know what? If you... Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're hearing this in LA, I am doing my little final last LA gig of this. Uh, I'm at... Uh, Monday night, I am uh, at a oh, at Fringe, Fringe on Monday night, ten o'clock. I'll be doing that, and uh, I may be doing some weird Spanish talk show on Monday night. But I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't, it's like one of those things. that's like a fifty-fifty about whether it'll happen or not. But um, so I'll let people know if that does happen. On Tune in to the Weird Facebook. Spanish Talk Show with Will Anderson. Right. Well, I saw I saw a bit of it today, and all I can describe it as is a weird Spanish talk show. So uh, I may Amazing. be doing that. Yeah. Um, check out our Patreon page if you'd like to support the show. Um, we've just created a new reward level. Yes. Um, we've got James Fosdyke working for us now, creating a, tom- a comic strip called Everyone Relax, which is based on uh, previous conversations from the podcast that we've had. There's a new one going up today for all our um, uh, subscribers at $10 and above. And I've got to say, like this possibly is the, f- the favorite, my most favorite of all the things we've done so far with our Patreon money is paying uh, James Fosduck to turn us into a comic strip. Like it's literally everything I've ever dreamed about from the age of 10. Like uh, we're in a comic strip. And they're so good. Like they're so, they're so amazing. Good. Like, And these are these really original pieces of like art that James like that really kind of are snapshots of the podcast, but they're not documentaries of the podcast. So he's no. kind of taken, you know, it's his spin on a stories we've told. Yeah. And so it's yeah. really amazing to see someone else's interpretation of those moments. And I think for people who love James and, and love the podcast, then I think it's a really great level and a, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's worked out really well. So if you want to support us through that way, that's really cool. And uh, if you want to know like what we spend the money on, uh, we're going to go to the LA Podcast Festival, so we'll spend you know the money on like you know helping us with flights and stuff to get over to do that. Uh, the fact that my luggage got stolen means that I have to buy a new Zoom and a new microphone and a couple <laughs> other things. We use the money for things like that, so. Yeah, um, so th- thanks, Whale Airlines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking, you fucking the little money we, we finally we're getting ahead of ourselves. We finally <laughs> might have not been fucking losing heaps of fucking money on this fucking endeavor, and then you go and lose it. Like I mean, as if I mean, it's very toe fop. <laughs> yeah, it's very very. Toe-fop. It's a very very yeah toe fop. Uh, so um, if you. If you like the podcast, uh, please yeah. rate and review us on iTunes. Um, there's some strange algorithm. We've tumbled out of like the high rankings. I don't know if the algorithm has leveled out or whatever, but you know, maybe we can get some more ratings and reviews up there. We can climb our way back up the charts. Well, here's the thing. Like, 
as far as I can see, although I don't look at the numbers that often, like more people than ever are listening to the show, but mm. we have tumbled out of the top ratings, which means that <laughs> either there's a lot of people listening to other people's shows or people have stopped rating our show on the internet, which is fine. Yeah. I understand that. We've been around for fucking years. Yeah. Don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years <laughs> for no point, but we're still here. <laughs> and we're going to give it another crack we're not letting stolen luggage or the inability to record it or us being in different countries or the fact that it doesn't turn a profit and then every time it almost does we fuck something else up put us off because that is the spirit of podcasting pay for for our mistakes yes I'm Charlie Clawson I'm Will Addison